We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. And now a reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Now when the human one comes in his majesty, and all the angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you that when you haven't done it for one of the least of these, you haven't done it for me and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. The word of God for us, the people of God. Uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Is that, did you say happy Super Bowl Sunday or like merry Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, enjoy it, you know, and I know there are some Chiefs fans that I'm aware of. Chiefs fans, yeah, Chiefs fans. Eagles fans, do you want to say anything now? Okay, there's so many Eagles fans, you know. Uh, I know it's hard, like, if your team isn't in it, uh, but you pick one or you kind of hear the stories about these people, and uh, the stories is my favorite part, the stories of the athletes and the stories of the coaches and the stories of the teams getting to the Super Bowl. I really love that. Um, Bad Girl Riri is back. Halftime, going to watch her. Excited about that. You guys know she's a billionaire? I learned that the other day. I didn't know she was a billionaire. Uh, Cocktail weenies. Uh, I thought about them, made a joke about them earlier in the week. Can't stop thinking about them. Uh, hope there's still some in the grocery store because I need to make some. Uh, there's something for everyone in the Super Bowl. I really like that. Uh, even if you're really not into football, there's movie trailers for you to watch or there's the stories for you to experience. Uh, and there's something for everyone. There's this really beautiful thing that happens. I'll tell you how the sausage is made a little bit, cocktail weenies. Uh, uh, Carrie and I, we plan the worship series together with Michelle, and we kind of talk about what are the sort of things we want to talk about, and some of the things are easy to plug in, like Easter and Christmas, 
Same thing every year, talk about those things. Then we gotta get some choices around the other months of the year. And we were talking about this series. Um, I was kind of under some pressure and I'll say Carrie is like, Colin, if I don't know what you're preaching, I don't know what to sing. So I'm like, okay, uh, here's some options and here's what I was thinking about, kind of indecisive, I'll pick something. So I'll pick a text. And then I I come to read it, like maybe in the week uh, of uh, preparing for it or the week before or Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, the week before. And this past Sunday afternoon and Monday morning, I read this text that I was chosen and I said, who picked this? And then I thought like, you know, Cindy's reading it today. Like that's a kind of, it's long, one, and you guys all stood up for it. And two, uh, it's kind of tough. Uh, But also there's something for everyone in it. There's something for all of us to experience. I heard somebody say, you know, it's really nice when Jesus says something difficult and you just quote it and people get mad at you. You're like, you're not mad at me. You're mad at Jesus, you know? And I I love doing that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, take it up with him. You know, not my problem. And this is one of those texts because also people say Jesus is an equal opportunity offender. Uh, That you read a text like this, a really hard teaching or saying of Jesus, and it kind of hits everybody, no matter what end of the political spectrum you find yourself on, no matter what your ideology is, no matter where you come from in your faith background. Like there are some things that Jesus says that everybody likes, like love your neighbor. Got it. I'm about that. There are some other things that Jesus says. You're like, okay, half of it I like half of it bothers me. Half of it uh, is really speaking to me and gives you some practical implication. Half of it seems wild and crazy and I don't know if I can get on board with it. It's helpful because if you come to the Bible and if you, especially if you come to Jesus and he, you just, he just happens to agree with everything you already think, that's not Jesus, that's just you, you know? And this is one of those teachings. This is one of those stories. This is one of those illustrations Jesus gives. And as we're in this series about uh, bringing heaven to Houston, We know that Jesus' teaching, primarily the object of his teaching, is the kingdom. He talked about the kingdom more than anything else. And here Jesus is talking about like the culmination, the ultimate, the final coming of the kingdom into the world. And he paints this vivid picture of when that happens. He's going to be sitting on a throne and he's going to divide up the sheep and the goats. And as is Jesus' custom, he didn't take like English comp, you know, 101. Uh, he mixes metaphors. <laughs> so he's like both a king and a shepherd. And in that shepherding and in that reigning above all of these people, he kind of sees this expanse. They're from all nations. The Greek word is ethne, all the peoples from every background, every tongue and nation. They look, it's a variety. It's a mosaic out before him. And they're divided then into sheep and goats. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this week, uh, my friend Bobby Williamson, he's a Hebrew professor uh, in Arkansas, and he has this podcast called Bible Worm. Uh, if you're a dweeb like me, uh, I recommend it. That's really good. And it, it's him and a rabbi, Amy. Uh, so it's, they read biblical text, Old and New Testament together, and then they have a conversation from the backgrounds of one Christian person, one Jewish person. And this episode, they were talking about some of Jesus's hard teachings, uh, these parables, And how in Mark's gospel, for instance, this first century biography of Jesus, Jesus says, I teach in parables to kind of obscure your view. Like I teach in parables to make it difficult for you. I teach in parables because it ignites something in your imagination. It plants a seed in your mind and in your heart, but then you like ponder it. And maybe when you're least expecting it, it comes up in your mind again. 
Jesus isn't straightforward and say like, okay, do this, do that. He often does that, but more often than not, he raises more questions than he answers and he implants in his disciples, including us, this opportunity to see these images, to hear these stories and to be surprised by them. The, the way Jesus teaches us to open our imagination, not close it. To bring us to the possibility of what God might be doing among us, not give us like a straightforward, this is exactly how it's gonna happen. And I think this, this story is a really perfect example of that. And, and I thought this week, you know, one thing that we could do together as a community on this Sunday morning is kind of take the first few steps of an understanding of what it might be for us as a community, as branches, to read difficult parts of the Bible together. Um, there are people uh, who, for which the Bible is very difficult to read. Uh, I count myself among them. There are parts that I know a lot about and I have little fun facts and I can read pretty easily. There are parts that when I get to them in my Bible reading plan, I'm like, I read that in seminary, skip, you know? Uh, there are people for whom the Bible is maybe easier to read. Uh, but I think this is one of those passages that no matter where you find yourself, it's difficult. In other words, there's something for everyone. Uh, and so I kind of want to pull just maybe four threads out of maybe what, if you heard that passage as Cindy read it today, there's something maybe you stumbled over or something that confronted you or something you're confused about or something that rubbed you the wrong way or something that you want to argue with or wrestle with, all good responses. We find it all throughout the Bible, people being confronted by God, being confronted by a word and wrestling with it. And it's not described as a good or bad thing. It's just something that we do. We negotiate with the Bible when it comes to us. The first thing is, and just tell me if I'm wrong, I, you know, I'm not a farmer, but if I saw a sheep and a goat, I could tell them apart. Could you? You think you could tell a sheep and a goat apart? You know, uh, uh, Tracy Morgan's character on SNL, the, the like, uh, wildlife guy, like, that goat has devil eyes. Like, they have the scary eyes, you know? Uh, they're noisy. Uh, they often have horns. Not all of them, but some of them do. I, I, I could tell a sheep from a goat. And I have to confess, uh, when the LED wall went up a few months ago, I said in passing, I think it was the Holy Spirit just promising this, that I would show embarrassing pictures on the LED wall. Uh, so we're gonna do that today. Uh, I've, I've seen sheep before. In fact, they lived in my home uh, because my dad was a portrait photographer and at Easter time, uh, we would have the sheep at our house and then my dad would take pictures of families and their children with them. So here we go, yeah. <laughs> That's a sheep, and there's a bunny. I kept that bunny, actually, very nice. I wish I could find those overalls, probably don't fit. Um, but yeah, two sheep, those are sheep, obviously. The cops came one time because we had, when you take the babies, the mom has to come, and the mom did not like being in our backyard. Uh, and so she was like hitting her head against the fence, and somebody thought there was something else going on at her house, I guess, and the cops came. Let's see the next one. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thrilled, but I mean, close proximity to a sheep. I know the difference between a sheep and a goat. All right, last one. <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> uh, yeah, I look like, like uh, what's uh, Gordon Gecko, like Wall Street. Uh, like the white, white collar shirt and the tie and the suspenders. Um, very nice hair. Good times, I look back on them fondly. It's easy to tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. I would know, I, I, I know them. Oh, my favorite memory of this is when you wash a sheep, like we we're trying to get them all woolly and nice, you wash them with woolite. 
Uh, and you put them in the, you know, put in the bathtub and they get all fluffy and soft. Uh, and they're also so stupid. Um, we had a dishwasher that was like mirrored on the front and they would stand and bat at it for like hours because they thought it was another sheep. Um, you can tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. But in this passage of scripture, the, the difference, okay, he took it down, all right. Uh, the difference between a sheep and a goat is not determined by how they look, but by their conduct. And I find that so puzzling. And again, with the mixed metaphor, he's seated, he's seated on a throne and instead of like human subjects before him, this image is of sheep and goats and he divides them. Uh, surely they could tell the difference. Surely they, they knew the difference between a sheep and a goat, but it's, but it's not by how they look. It's not their species. It's by their conduct. And that's one thing that always trips me up about this. I think the other thing that really trips me up, and I, reading commentators and other people think about this text this week, is the harshness of Jesus' words for the goats. Um, we hear the, that Jesus says to them uh, this kind of judgment. Uh, he'll reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, get away from me, or in other translations, depart from me. You who will receive terrible things, go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't, and so on and so forth. You're supposed to do all these things and you didn't. And the harshness of it, you read Jesus' other teachings, it's kind of a wake-up call. It's this, it's this pointed, maybe hyperbolic, maybe harsh words, because then in the first hearers and then us as readers of it, we, I think we have the underlying question like, which one am I? We start to wonder like, have I overlooked someone that was hungry or have I not visited someone that needed a human touch or a human attention? Did I not give a drink to someone who is thirsty? And we can spiritualize it too. Like, did I not just pay attention to someone who is in need? Am I a sheep or a goat? And I think that might be Jesus's intention. Less so for some of us to say like, ah, I'm in, I'm ready to go. I'm a sheep. Uh, I think if you have that kind of, attitude about it, you might want to reassess <laughs> that Jesus is calling us to self-reflect. Jesus over and over and over again in his hyperbolic teaching and the extreme things that he says, it's less and less to make things clear cut, but more and more to make us think and open up our imagination and to see this vision as Jesus sees it and make us question whether or not we're one or the other, reflect on the conduct in our lives. I think James, uh, Jesus's brother who wrote uh, a letter for the New Testament uh, he says it really well. This is James chapter two. My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? Claiming to be a sheep can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who's naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. I think that's what Jesus is saying too. He says it's divided by your conduct because there's these people that come to him and that's the next thing that always trips me up is the sheep and the goats have one really important thing in common. They're both shocked by Jesus' assessment. Both the sheep and the goats say, when did I see you? I don't remember you. I don't remember your call. I don't remember you being hungry. I don't remember you being in prison. I don't remember you being naked or thirsty or sick. I don't remember you. And Jesus says, well, it's because you didn't see me. It's because you didn't know where I was. 
because you didn't listen to me. What good is it if you heard all these things that I've taught you and you didn't recognize me? I, I know it wasn't by him, but I hear over and over again uh, Dr. Evil singing, what if God was one of us? <laughs> what if? What if Jesus is all around? What if our attention needs sharpening to see that Jesus is close to us and we're just needing to be aware of him? And it's kind of a hard thing for the Christian religion to admit, but in our, in our searching for Jesus, especially in the West, we have to say, maybe I need to be closer to brokenness and suffering to experience God. Maybe I need to be close to people who are in need to experience God. Maybe to see Jesus's face, I need to look in the face of the person that is hurt, that's cast aside, that's marginalized. Maybe that's where Jesus is. And people say, well, I've, never, I've never had an experience of God. Maybe you haven't. <laughs> Maybe you really haven't, but maybe also you've been in the presence of him and just thought he was somewhere else. I think that's a question worth asking and another thing that really trips me up. And again, the, the, the second thing is that Jesus associates with the lowly. We read this a few weeks ago in, in Matthew's gospel that Jesus is seen eating with sinners and tax collectors, eating with deviant people, eating with people that aren't on the right path according to society and culture, and that's where Jesus is. And he doesn't just say, I hang out with them. He says, when you do something to them, you do it to me. There's this kind of paradox here. We sing these lofty songs about King Jesus who reigns over everything. And I know that like that language in particular rubs people the wrong way, but 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 both sides of that thing, both sides of that coin are true. That Jesus is both king who reigns over all and he's also a dirty shepherd. That Jesus is also lofty, he's divine, and he also was a homeless carpenter. I've always found it kind of interesting that, that Jesus was a carpenter and he's named after the two words you would say when you hit your thumb with a hammer. Uh, <laughs> That Jesus is both high and lifted up and also lowly. That Jesus reigns over all and then he also is with these farm animals. He was born in a barn that Jesus reigns over all and is this one that gives guidance and, 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 and shows us how to, the way to live our lives and also walks among us, walks beside us. There's a genius in the gospel that, that for all people, again, that Jesus is an equal opportunity offender, that you, that you come to Jesus maybe as somebody that doesn't really care about Jesus. You come to Jesus as someone who's not really particularly interested in him. And Jesus says, well, if you've been around the poor and the oppressed and the thirsty and the hungry and the imprisoned, you've actually been around me. And likewise, on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that don't particularly care about the poor and the oppressed and the hungry and the homeless. You say, well, if you've been around uh, Jesus, you've been around them that it draws both people, both groups of people, both dispositions to Jesus in the middle. That when, when you find yourself visiting someone in prison, whether you know it or not, you're close to the divine. Or in your prayers or in your seeking or in your devotional life, you're like, I want nothing but Jesus and there's this tug on your heart to then go care for the poor. That you're invited into this stream of great tradition where people said, yeah, we want to do lofty, amazing things. And we also want to be found where Jesus was found in the face of the poor and the oppressed. We want to be with the disinherited. Be with the people that are cast aside because there's some mysterious thing happening when Jesus says, when you've done it for the least of these, you've done it for me. And for the religious people that harms them, 
because they think, well, no, I was trying to do it for you. I wasn't trying to do it for these other people. And for the non-religious people, it lifts them up and say, actually, the work that you're doing is divine. That, that, that Jesus, in his, in his teaching of, of the sheep and the goats, uh, invites us to see a world that is, that is divided, not by our own doing, but by our, our, our own categorization of what Jesus says about us, that you could be a sheep, you could be a goat, but the invitation is to draw close to the, the poor and the disinherited and to draw close to Jesus and realize that those two things are the same thing. That the Christian religion is a religion of not just uh, you know, assent in our mind to these doctrines and beliefs that I'm all about, but also a religion of conduct. Of, of true religion is this, says James, to care for the orphan and the widow and their distress. And then to say at the same time, say we can find common ground with people that don't care about Jesus, but wanna do those same things. And that's the, the sort of people I hope that we can be. Last week, I shared this Dallas Willard quote. He says, do you wanna go to heaven? Go today. Heaven is simply where God is. And the daring thing that Christians wanna say is where God is is in this person. That, that we could even daringly say heaven is a person. Heaven is embodied in this person. The invitation of heaven is in a person. It's not about, okay, I, I, I thought the right things, I showed up when I should, I was member of something somewhere, and now I get to go in. But that Jesus is, is enveloping all people in this, in this way of saying, you're in when you see me. You're in when you recognize me. You're in when you do the work that I've called you to do. You're in when you see the poor and the oppressed, not as projects, but as people. You're in when you see that, that every time you've overlooked a person, you may have overlooked an opportunity to experience grace and healing and transformation and mercy in your life. I know this text, I, I can't solve its problems. I know this teaching that Jesus divides the sheep and the goats. I can't make it smoother and cozy. <laughs> I wish I could. But what I can invite us to uh, is an answer to this invitation to say, you know what, um, I'm iffy on Jesus, but I can step into work that transforms people's lives and there's enough to go around in the city of Houston. And in the same way, I can invite you to say, okay, I, I feel awkward and unimportant and unneeded and justice work in my city, uh, but I can get on board with what Jesus has to say and we can meet together, not in a mushy middle, but in a way that we can learn from one another in a way that we can, we can see Jesus' face and that maybe you see it clearly than somebody else, you can help show, that, show it to them. Or maybe somebody that can't quite see it can also help us see what it means um, to work for justice and, and inclusion and equity in our world. As we kind of ponder this <laughs> and wrestle with it and think about what it means to have the kingdom come and to be present before us, I want to ask, maybe for you, it's to see Jesus as king, that, that he oversees everything and that you really need some guidance. Like, please, would you just oversee this and reign and rule and make things right? And sometimes I'm in that spot. Or maybe you also need a shepherd, somebody to be with you in the dirt and the muck and the mire. Say, Jesus, I really want this to happen. I really want people to be healed. I really want people's lives to be transformed. Will you meet me in it? I'm all in for both. King Jesus, shepherd Jesus, 
Jesus who is hungry, Jesus who is thirsty, Jesus who is in prison, Jesus who is sick, Jesus who is needy. I'm all for us together understanding what it means to see this truth, this reality that heaven is a person. It's not a place that we like project our imaginations to far off in the future when we die, but can be present now if only we had the eyes to see it and the ears to hear it and the heart for the poor and the oppressed in our society. Jesus is there. He's inviting us to see him. So we pray together, open our eyes that we might see you. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the invitation to read your words, uh, to be challenged by them, to wrestle with them, to not quite understand them, but to hear this mystery that every time we work for justice in the world, every time we fill a hungry belly, every time we give drink to those who are thirsty, every time an oppressed person is set free, you're there. We don't understand it, but you're there. Be with us now as we come to this table, as we offer ourselves in generosity, and as we sing to you, our king, our shepherd. All of this we ask in your name. Amen. Amen.